As you may have heard a few moments ago, as you may have noticed, the church is still decorated. We got the Easter flowers going. Jesus is decked out in white because it's Easter, which means I get to say, Christ is risen. Awesome, right? Awesome, 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 awesome. But today, I want to talk about something that's less awesome. I want to talk about long car rides. Does anyone like long car rides? A couple of sadists in the church, that's okay. That's fine. Generally speaking, I don't like long car rides. Whenever I get in the car, my goal is to get out of the car. Makes sense, right? And I have a family, many of you know, I talk about this most every week. I tell stories from my family life, sorry, but here we go again. I have a wife and I have a daughter, age four, another daughter, age six. And for us right now, a long car ride is anything over 10 minutes. <laughs> but every so often we take a long car ride. And when you're in the car, you know, sometimes you've got to do things that make the time pass quicker. So what we often do is we play games. The kind of games that work in the car that everyone can play. Games like I Spy. You all know what I Spy is. Here, let's play. Okay, good. I spy with my little eye something white. You better say Jesus, folks. They got that wrong at the other services. Jesus, white. There you, that, that's how you play the game. You understand? So we play that. We play that until we, you know, we can't play it anymore until we get sick of it, which lasts about two miles. And then we play a different game. The game one of the games we play is we play um, Name the Person. And that game consists of my kids in the back seat. They'll think of a person, and they'll give us clues. And our job, my wife and I, my, my job is to then guess the person they're thinking of. And so it goes something like this. My kids will say something like, I'm thinking of a person. She wears a blue dress, has blonde hair, has mice for friends. She's a princess, and she has mean stepsisters. Cinderella, that's, that's right. And this is how it goes. And usually that's the point they're at in life. We make our way through most of the princesses, if not all the princesses, and then that game is over, and then we get desperate and try another game, and the game we often play is Opposites. Opposites is exactly what you would think it is. Someone says a word, and your job then is to say the opposite of that word. You want to try it? Sure. Why not? What's the opposite of inside? What's the opposite of high? What's the opposite of dark? You guys are good at this game. What's the opposite of winning? That's right. We would also accept the New York Jets. Or the New York Islanders. Or the New York Rangers. Or the New York Knicks. But not the Mets. Because they're like 11 and 2, right? Right, Mr. Detling? Is that right? Mr. Detling goes, he's a big fan. He's a winner, that guy. But the problem with this game is sometimes you come across a word for which there is no clear opposite. Does this make sense? You understand what I'm trying to say here? For example, 
What is the opposite of grief? Exactly. What's the opposite of grief? Joy. Really? Maybe we need to talk about what grief is a little bit. Grief, at its most basic level, is the feeling and experience and the feelings associated with the experience of losing someone that you care about. Losing someone who has departed from life in this world. And if you know grief, it creates a hole in life. And the world doesn't seem as good. And life as we know it doesn't feel like it's ever going to be the same again. That's grief. And theoretically speaking, there would only be one opposite of that. And that would be for the person you're grieving for to come back. Resurrection. Resurrection joy is the opposite of grief. And most of us have not experienced the phenomenon of resurrection joy. But a few of us have, in the kingdom of God, a handful of people experience the fullness of resurrection joy. That's what our gospel lesson for today is all about. It was the very first Easter Sunday. And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were gathered in an upper room and the door was locked. Why was the door locked? Because they were terrified. Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had been executed as a criminal. And they were, in a manner of speaking, guilty by association. In fear that they might suffer the same fate he did. In fear that there might be crosses with their names on them. But fear was a secondary problem for those disciples. What was their big problem? Grief. They woke up that Sunday morning distraught. Their world was shattered. Life as they knew it would never be the same again because those disciples had chosen to define their lives around Jesus. And they made Jesus everything. He was their focal point. He was their mentor. He was their father figure. He was their older brother figure. He led them to bigger and better. And they believed and they knew he was going to lead them to bigger and better even still more. Fishermen who have been fishermen all their lives. That's all they ever knew. They got it from their fathers. Their fathers got it from their fathers. Go back many generations They dropped their nets to follow Jesus. Tax collectors gave up their lavish homes, gave up their financial planning practices to follow Jesus. And he was gone. And man, it hurt. And if you know grief, they felt what we feel. They thought what we think. 
What am I going to do now? What's the point now? I've lost someone that's irreplaceable. I've lost everything. That was where the disciples were at that very first Easter. In a room, the door was locked, filled with fear, devastated by grief. And it's in that place, in that moment, all of a sudden, Jesus was there. And Jesus starts talking to them. He says Jesus kind of things. Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. And again, those disciples thought and feel what I think we all would think and feel in that moment. This isn't happening. This is impossible. This is illogical. Things like this don't happen. He was dead. He was lifeless. He was buried. We sealed his tomb. I must, I must be dreaming. This must be some sort of vision, some sort of spirit, some sort of hallucination. Maybe I'm seeing things. Maybe my mind is playing tricks on me. Maybe it's a ghost. The Bible tries to articulate the sensation they had that day on the front cover of your worship folder. They were still disbelieving for joy. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too good to be true. And then Jesus makes it tangible. He says, here I am. It's really me. I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have flesh and bones. Check it out for yourself. Touch me. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. Same hands and feet that had nails in them, that hung on a cross, that was dead, is now alive again. I am now alive again. And then came the coup de grace. Jesus says, let's have some food. I think Jesus was a Lutheran. Not really. Give me something to eat. And so they give Jesus a piece of fish. And what in the story seems like a minor triviality is in fact packed with so much meaning. Because brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, the thing about ghosts and spirits and hallucinations, they don't steal stuff off your dinner plate. Jesus was real. He really ate. He was really alive in the flesh. The one who was dead was alive again. The one who was lost was found. The one who'd been crucified, sealed away in a tomb was a living, breathing flesh and blood and bone, walking, talking, eating, drinking Messiah. Destined to live forever. And in that moment, the disciples knew the opposite of grief. They knew a joy unlike any other. The joy of resurrection. But the moment wasn't over. 
Jesus kept talking. The Bible tells us some of what he said. Why are you guys surprised? I told you this was exactly what was going to happen several times. I was destined to suffer, to die, and to rise again. Surprise, here I am, right? And Jesus opened their minds to understand the fullness of who he was, of what it meant to be the Christ, of suffering, of death, and of resurrection. And Jesus made a promise. Stay here until I send you what I'm going to send you. What I've always promised. What was Jesus going to send them? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit, he sends to you. God is in the Holy Spirit sending business. We saw it again today. We live it again today. Through the power of his word. The Holy Spirit is God living in you. And doing a work that only God the Holy Spirit can do. Uniting you to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The merits of the cross, the suffering that Jesus went through to atone for sin, becomes yours through the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus, that day he walked out of his tomb, that day he appeared to his disciples and proclaimed his victory over death for all time, that belongs to you, that is yours. The Holy Spirit comes to you today and transforms your destiny again. You are destined to live Forever, You are destined to see again those who have gone before you. Resurrection joy is your destiny. Resurrection joy is your presence. And your present. Because we know this is who we are. This is what we are. We encounter the risen Jesus. But the thing about resurrection joy... It's not just a spiritual phenomenon. It's not just nebulous stuff that we talk about. That's kind of one of the big points of our gospel reading for today. Resurrection joy is tangible. It's physical. You can touch it. It's real. Forgiveness and life are physical. You can eat them. You can drink them. The body and blood of Jesus Christ himself is real. And it's yours. And the promise is physical. Understand this. The thing about life in this world, the longer you venture in this world, the more the experience feels like the opposite of resurrection. We all have something in common. We all have flesh. And I don't know about you, but I can't do a lot of what I used to do. I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror and that's not the person I was 20 years ago. 
I don't know about you, but I go to the doctor and the doctor says, what? That, that can't be me. I'm only 43. You must be talking about somebody else. Come on. I should start worrying about these things now? Death and decay. But brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, it's not irreversible. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Just as Jesus died and rose again and was transformed into the glorious being that he was after the resurrection, so will we be. Our bodies will be resurrected. Our bodies will be restored forever. And in our flesh, we will see God in the flesh. And what a day that will be. The opposite of grief, the opposite of pain, the opposite of suffering, the opposite of death. Life in the world that is to come. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, that is our destiny. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake, amen.